Welcome to Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, joined today by Jamie Eisenberg, Dan Schneier. We've got our first 2024 mock draft, and I cannot wait. Jamie, it's been a long time since you've been here. I think we did a mock draft the last time you were here. What's going on? Uh, it's good to be here. I appreciate you having me. You know, not that we don't talk in other places, but, you know, it's fun to be on your show. And uh, uh, you've done a great job with it all season long. So I don't think I was on at all during the year, uh, but, you know, certainly paid attention to it. And you uh, had some fantastic guests. And, and again, just did a great job kicking butt. And I know you'll do it again this offseason, certainly next year as well. A bad, bad job hosting by me. It's Jamie's pick, and I throw him a question. Dan's <laughs> up next. So, Dan, I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Uh, you just made a Jalen Hurts trade. Are you going to get to draft Jalen Hurts with the fifth overall pick? What did you give up for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, in Big Burger Dynasty League where I tanked year one, I made a trade the opposite direction now, and I traded a first-round pick, two second-round picks, a third-round pick, and Rashad Bateman for Jalen Hurts in our Baked Burger Superflex Dynasty. So now I'm going the opposite route, Heath. I have Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, and James Cook as my core with Jaden Reed and a few other nice pieces at receiver. Not so nice, Jaden Reed, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Say Flowers, but I'm open for business with the rest of these picks now. I'm looking to win now. With Jim well, you're, you're looking to pick now because you're on the clock okay. with about 45 seconds left. The first four picks in our mock draft, Bradley Stadler takes Josh Allen number one overall. I think that's probably the easiest pick. We've got Corey Spalla with Patrick Mahomes. Dave Richard takes Jalen Hurts. Jamie, you took Lamar Jackson, and I don't know who you would have chosen. One of the questions I was going to ask, this guy hasn't been taken yet. One of the questions I was going to ask is, did CJ Stroud pass Jalen Hurts in Dynasty this weekend? Uh very, very different performances from these two quarterbacks. Uh, definitely different performances. Uh, I don't think so yet, but he certainly has closed the gap. He's closed the gap on Lamar. He's closed the gap on uh, Burrow, who, who Dan took. Um, there's uh, there's a lot I, to love about what C.J. Stroud has done and hopefully will continue to do. Um, but, you know, I think he's still got a little bit to go to get past those quarterbacks in my mind. I debated going with Stroud here over Burrow. It was very close for me. Um, and it's an interesting pick. I feel like if you go Stroud, you're – it's it's a little bit more of a long term pick, maybe. But what's the difference right now? I'm trying to get the let's see let's see where we're at with Joe Burrow. Yeah, 27 versus CJ Stroud's what going to be 22. So you so it's a little bit more of a long term pick, I think. But I'll go for the win now pick with Burrow. Well, and that's a, I think is the question. I've got Stroud ahead of Burrow. I've got I had it. Allen hurts Stroud Mahomes, okay. uh, and then Jackson right in there with them. Um, but I, I do, man, I struggle with what he just did as a rookie. He didn't show us the upside that all these other guys have shown us, obviously, but it was his rookie season. A lot of these guys were bad as rookies and we've seen Joe Burrow exclusively pretty much with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. What if T Higgins is gone this year and it's just Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase and it's CJ Stroud with Tank Dell and Nico Collins in year two, getting even better. I, I think He's a guy who could rise and continue rising at the quarterback position. It would not be that big of a surprise. We had our first non-quarterback taken. Adam Azer takes Justin Jefferson right after Sam Waldorf takes C.J. Stroud. So I think I'm going to keep that non-QB run going. I will take Jamar Chase here. I actually have Jamie Chase just ahead of Jefferson in my dynasty rankings right now. These guys have gone back and forth. They're the clear one and two. There's not been a different one and two for a long time amongst non-quarterbacks. The only reason right now that Chase is ahead is because I don't know who Jefferson quarterback is going to be next year. Uh, it, and it's totally fair, and it's a conversation we had last year, not just for Dynasty, but also for Redraft, about what the, the future holds for Justin Jefferson. Um, I think the encouraging thing is what he was able to accomplish in the final four games that he played without Kirk Cousins. You know, And so he had a great finish with Nick Mullins um, from his perspective, at least in Week 18. And they may add a rookie, and we'll see. You know, This is a, a regime that might be aggressive and, and go up and trade to get you know one of the top three quarterbacks if they're able to. Um, so, uh, could see Kirk Cousins come back as, as a bridge quarterback could have a potential, you know, maybe, maybe they're aggressive and, and they get a, a, a Jaden Daniels or, or Drake, man, I don't think they're going to get to Caleb, Caleb Williams, but, um, Caleb Williams, but I, I think you're still looking at a situation where Jefferson, I think can play with anybody. And so that's the, uh, that's the encouraging thing for me. So I would still take him ahead of chase, but I have no problem taking chase and look, you can make a case for CD lamb as well. Hasn't been, been taken also. 
He he is as close as he's ever been to those two in my dynasty rankings, Dan. I, I think Mr. NFC East. Uh, it was obviously a diff- disappointing weekend for the Cowboys as well. I'm sure that didn't bother you, but I, I do think if if he comes out of the gate like he finished last season, we'll have to have a conversation about where he belongs in that top three order. I think that's perfectly fair, and I think they're in a position where he is actually facing an interesting uh, situation coming up because of his contract. And after a season like this one, I don't see how there's any way he's not going to become the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. That just seems to be how these things go. And with the Dak contract and with the Michael Parsons contract, it's going to be interesting to see how Dallas juggles all of that. I don't think they're going to be the next team to make that. Maybe I would call it early foreshadowing move away from quarterback and trade Dak Prescott, but it wouldn't totally surprise me. And I think that would, to me, crater a little bit of that in at least for me that enthusiasm to move lamb all the way up the board well i think we've hit our first pause in the draft jamie so i was thinking about this this morning just from a a real football perspective we don't talk about that a whole lot but we've seen bill belichick let go or he's gone there's talk that mike mccarthy is going to be gone after three straight 12 win seasons nick's Nick, uh, Nick Sirianni is going to be gone a year after going to the Super Bowl. Like, are these teams not maybe not gone, but that's the talk. Like, are, are we going a little bit too far on the fire? Your head coach, there's there's some value to continuity, right? There absolutely is, you know, and uh, based on you know what you're hearing from the players, and that necessarily doesn't always carry the the, the most weight, but the reports out of the Dallas locker room, the reports that you heard last night from the, the Philadelphia players, they don't want to see their coaches necessarily go. And, you know, the, the flip side of that is maybe that's why they need to go is because the players are too much, you know, in, in step with the, the coaching staff or vice versa. And maybe that's not why, maybe that's why things are not, you know, going the way that they hope those things will go. It'd be a little surprising Philadelphia to get rid of Sirianni so quickly. And, and I think you could point to some of the flaws easily and say why he should go. Uh, but let's be fair here. I mean, he just lost his two coordinators, you know, right. and, and, you know, again, is that the reason why his team fell apart? Were those guys propping him up because they both had amazing seasons where they, where they ended up in Arizona and, and, and Indianapolis looking at what happened to them. Um, and for Dallas, I mean, it's just, you know, another playoff ouster that's, you know, somewhat surprising, especially given how successful they've been at home. So we'll see. I, I, I always think that if it's obvious, you let the guy go, you know, Atlanta had to move on from Arthur Smith, for example, you know, so uh, in these two cases, I think the thing that you look at is it's such a good crop of assistants that are available or candidates that are available, you know, and so while you're starting to see some of the, you know, I think the coaching spots line up, you know, it looks like Ben Johnson probably to Washington at this point, looks like Bill Belichick could be in Atlanta, Um, Dan Quinn could be in, in Seattle. And so you start to see, okay, where the jobs are, are going, but Raheem Morris is still out there. You know, there's, there's, you know, probably a guy or two that I'm missing. Um, if you have somebody in place, like, okay, I know I, if, if I'm Jerry Jones and I know I'm getting Bill Belichick, I'll move on from Mike McCarthy just to see, because it, it clearly has not gotten me to the place I want to get to. And this guy's got, you know, six rings. Um, but to bring in just another assistant or maybe to promote Dan Quinn, like, I don't know if that's the right move to make. I'm going to have to make a pick for someone here. It looks like Dan. I want to take a look at the uh, the first round as we just completed it, and it it was mostly quarterbacks. But we started off with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, <clears throat> then Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, and then Justin Herbert, Anthony Richardson, C.D. Lamb. Jamie mentioned those coordinators leaving the Eagles. Shane Steichen, one of those coordinators, had a pretty great year in his first season in Indianapolis with Gardner Minshew playing quarterback most of the season. What do you expect from Richardson in year two? Do we see a little bit of struggles because he didn't get his first full rookie year, so he's still kind of a rookie? And another thing I want to ask about is I see people talking about Michael Pittman as still a buy low in Dynasty because he may have some other level to attain. I I don't think next year's probably as good for him if Richardson stays healthy. Do you? I think you're spot on about that. We saw even in a small sample size, Richardson be a little bit better for Josh Downs. And as far as what will happen in year two, I actually think it will work in his favor that he didn't play as many games because one of the things that happens a lot in the NFL is you see this rookie quarterback, these rookie quarterbacks come out hot, have a really good rookie year. And then all of a sudden it seems like year two, what happened to these players, Davis mills, Daniel Jones, there's plenty of examples. Some, you know, that ended up not working out in the NFL. So they may not be the best examples to compare to players like Anthony Richardson. If you think that ceiling is super high, but what they tend to say is when defensive coordinators get about eight or nine games of tape on a quarterback, 
They see all the tendencies. They see the things they like to do. They take away some of those concepts, and then it becomes can this quarterback really you know elevate? So I don't think Richardson is in that zone just yet because he didn't have that many starts. And I think they're going to do a good job building around him this offseason. They already have really revived that offensive line. That's the biggest story to me in Indianapolis this year. It looked like it was crippling in 2022, and the offensive line was trending toward one of the worst in the NFL. And then all of a sudden, in my opinion, due to maybe coaching and development, they've kind of revived that. So because that offensive line is where it's at and because of my faith in Steichen, I, I have those high expectations for Richardson year two as well. Jamie, we had three quarterbacks taken at the start of round two. Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, Brock Purdy. I'm not sure those three guys could be any different in terms of risk and upside profiles. <laughs> I think this is the right spot for them in terms of where they rank amongst quarterbacks. Right behind Anthony Richardson works for me. We've not seen Trevor Lawrence go yet. What do you think of these three quarterbacks at the start of round two? I mean, this is going to be in, in, a, in a super flex league where they start to come off the board. Uh, Kyler was a little surprising that he went so soon, but you know what he's capable of when he's on his game in year two, coming back from an ACL. That's typically when players are at their best, uh, coming off the injury at least. Um, and you got to like what he showed in, in the small ah, sample size that he played in, in his new system. Um, but in any event, uh, Fields has got a, is, is such a wild card right now. I mean, you can make a case that he should be a first round pick if he, you know, either stays in Chicago and you love that situation, or if he goes to, you know, let's say in Atlanta, um, you know, which would be my preferred destination if he does move on. So there's a lot to like about what he could still become and, and, and has shown at least. So, uh, Purdy is, you know, I, uh, such a, such a, such a hard guy to, you know, peg for the the future because he's tied to these guys, you know, and, and, and Dan sort of talked about this, about the salary situation in, in Dallas, you know, when they have to pay him, what does that mean for everybody else? You know, McCaffrey, this is probably going to be his last great season coming into uh, 2024. Uh, Ayuk, they're going to have to make a decision on him. But yeah, the, the, these guys are all in the in, in this range. And I hate Dan for the pick he just made. <laughs> Dan, well, I just you got just, sniped on Lawrence. Yeah, you, you took Brees Hall there. And I, I thought... I took Jameer Gibbs three picks earlier. Bijan Robinson went two picks earlier. That's probably a little bit controversial. Um, I think some people, as soon as Arthur Smith was fired, put Bijan right back up as RB1 in this class. How do you feel about these two backs? Are, do you have them both ahead of Brees Hall? And which one do you prefer? I, I have Bijan highest. He's the one I still prefer. I'm relying on my evaluation from his tape at Texas, relying on just what he's shown in the passing game this, this year. I know... Obviously, we're talking about two good backs in the passing game as well, Brees Hall and Jameer Gibbs. But I think Robinson takes it to a little bit of a different level, maybe at the same range of Gibbs, just they do it differently because Robinson's a better route runner, I think. So I just still have high expectations for him as a player. So this is dynasty. I'm willing to take the hit maybe in year one here. He may not be as productive as either of those two right away until Atlanta finds him some kind of upgrade at quarterback. But I do have faith, and I, and I like the offensive line coach they got going there too. Now, we, we know who is in Atlanta meeting with the owner it's the guy who has never given us consistent running back production we were you thought it was bad when Bijan was sharing with tyler algier wait until bill belichick takes over the atlanta falcons no i'm sure people will say that i i really have a hard time parsing between these two i can't imagine trading either for the other i'd rather just take the one that goes last generally but we were kind of in a weird spot where there wasn't a quarterback I loved. I did like, Jamie, your pick. You took Jordan Love a couple of picks after Trevor Lawrence. I actually have Love ahead of Lawrence right now in Dynasty. I don't think that's a that's a stretch at this point, you know, based on how he's performed, um, you know, in, in his season. He's in a better system, at least right now, based on what we've seen from, you know, Lawrence the last two years and, and what Love did this year and certainly what, you know, the, the Packers offense has produced the last couple of years under Matt LaFleur. Uh, man, it's going to be fun to watch him grow with those receivers. You know, if those guys can become what they're capable of, you know, Jaden Reed and what he showed and Christian Watson, you know, what he hopefully can still become. And, you know, just all the things that that are still there, you know, with even some of the other pieces, you know, Luke Musgrave and um, Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dobbs. I mean, just they they, they have so many ways to beat you. Uh, he looks fantastic. You know, it was, you know, not just the playoff game. I think that opened a lot of people's eyes. But, you know, you watched him at the end of the season. He was just an absolute star. And so just coming into his own um, – I was, I was honestly, you know, with the way that the board was unfolding, I was like, okay, maybe Brock Purdy, maybe, maybe Jordan Love, you know, we'll see if Lawrence makes it back because I, I did want to go QB, QB. Uh, and the fact that Love made it there, you know, made the decision easy for him. Dan, there were two teams that did not take a quarterback in the first two rounds. Two guys that always agree on everything, me and Adam Azer. <laughs> Adam ended up with Justin Jefferson and Bijan Robinson. I ended up with Jamar Chase and Jameer Gibbs. Are we crazy or is this a viable strategy in a super flex dynasty startup? 
It's not the strategy I would ever use in a super flex dynasty startup, but I think it's a viable strategy because it's a startup and you can take a different route with this. The only issue I have with it is for me, it seems like it's harder to compete early without the quarterbacks, unless you have a few veteran, veteran ideas in mind, maybe, but, and then with running backs, I would rather build it. So out. So if I have the, if I have a running back heavy team, I also have quarterbacks. I'm ready to compete now because I feel like the timeline is just condensed a bit with a running back build. So I don't know. I just if I if I'm doing that route, I'm probably going heavy receivers. We're we're at a really weird place in oh, terms of the Jamie, quarterbacks. How did you do that to me? <laughs> Jamie just took Jonathan. You just had Brees Hall. You don't need Jonathan Taylor. I, I think we're both. at a weird place with with the quarterbacks that are left in terms of the dynasty rankings because you've got Jared Goff, you've got Aaron Rodgers is still there, you've got Kirk Cousins, guys that we think will probably be good next year. We've also got Bryce Young. We've got. Tua Tonga Vailoa. We've got some real question marks that are younger. And then the wild card of all wild cards, since you've already picked Jamie, Deshaun Watson has not been picked yet. We're in the middle of round three of a dynasty startup. He's going to be the starter next year. It's not as if the team's turning to Joe Flacco. Do we just hope that he can stay healthy next year and be better? I think so. I mean, you know, he was four and one as a starter. So clearly they like what he was able to accomplish from a team perspective. And look, he played through the shoulder injury. You know, we know how that story unfolded, that he did come back and, you know, at least gave you one game. So I don't know if anybody's going to question his toughness, but you certainly can question, is he still the type of player that he once was? Um, he didn't necessarily show that in, in the small sample size that we have, end of 2022, beginning of 2023. Um, but great offensive line, still some very good weapons. Uh, you hope that they can continue to build out that offense despite the salary cap constraints that they'll be under because of his contract. But I mean, obviously, when you start to get to the back end of the or sorry, the middle of the, the the QB2 range, I think that's where he sort of comes into play. He's not my favorite guy by any stretch. Um, it's not somebody that I'm going to say I want to target. But, you know, once we get into this range, he starts to become a little bit more prominent before the rookies come into uh, the NFL. Like, he's going to go behind, you know, the Caleb Williams, and Drake Mays, those type of guys for sure. And that's something I should have said. This is a super flex PPR mock draft. We are not... Um, drafting 2024 rookies in this draft. So we're we're drafting as if there would be a separate rookie draft, which if we talked about this with John Bosch last week, if I was starting a new dynasty league and doing a startup this week, that's exactly how I would do it. And I think the tricky part, and I don't know if you have a preference on this, Dan, is if you do that, how do you handle the rookie draft? What we did with our YOLO draft was we had one order for the startup, and then we just reversed the order for the rookie draft. Another thing I've seen that I really like is that people, especially if you don't have kickers in your league, just use kickers as placeholders. So if you want to draft a kicker in the first round and say, then that's all of a sudden you've got rookie 101. And then you take it, the next kicker that's taken is rookie 102. And so as part of the startup, you're actually drafting your initial initial rookie draft positioning. I think I would prefer much prefer the second version, Heath. I want everyone in the player pool. I want to in Dynasty. It's just too. It's it's in 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 a you know in redraft you can maybe get away with it in my opinion, and you could be like, all right, it's not the big of an edge. But in Dynasty, it could be a huge edge. Like last year with Bijan, for example, that's an asset where if you're just doing reverse snake at the end of it, it's kind of a massive advantage in my opinion than to drafting twelfth. So I'd rather I'd rather do the way you said with the placeholders, and you can actually assess the value of each player. Yeah, I do. I think it's interesting, specifically in a super flex league, like because if you're drafting 12th, uh, the, the guy who drafted 12th in this league never had any chance at J Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, right. Oberro, CJ Stroud. He had no chance at an elite quarterback. And so that's a pretty big disadvantage, Fair. right? Yeah, that is true. So I, I I think there's it's really just decide what your like league likes better. I've not heard of a third way that I think is just as good. We're almost at the end of round two, which the seems way, like a go sorry ahead. the way the way that you did it with uh, the Yolo League uh, was was a huge advantage for me. Um, the way that it worked out because I had the second pick in the rookie draft, and that was the Fournette McCaffrey year, and I ended up mm. with McCaffrey second. And that's been obviously the cornerstone of my team for so many years, you know, so right. it, it could work out obviously, you know, however, however it does for depending on, you know, the guy picking in front of me could have easily taken McCaffrey and I would have been stuck with Fournette and that would have been okay for a few years, but you know, not the same, but clearly it all, it all depends on, you know, what you decide beforehand. Right. Those of you who are watching along here on YouTube, you get to uh, see the draft board. Uh, Dan, do you mind kind of for the people that are not, can you read through the round two picks for us? I've got to make a couple more picks for another yeah. uh, another dynasty manager here. 
Yeah, round two, we started off with Justin Fields. So he's got the Fields-Lamb combo down there, which I like. Then Amon Ross-St. Brown to pair with Richardson. A back-to-back pick of Herbert and Kyler Murray. Brock Purdy came off the board. Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson and Brees Hall all in three of the next four picks. Trevor Lawrence and Jordan Love, a couple of the young quarterbacks still on the board. Then Garrett Wilson and Puka, two of easily top-tier wide receivers in Dynasty. Dak Prescott, A.J. Brown to start round three. Chris Olave, Sam Laporta, the first tight end off the board in Dynasty. I think at this point, everyone's Dynasty tight end one, I would say. I don't think anyone has too much of a disagreement there. Then Jonathan Taylor, I thought, was a crazy value pick in the round three. To me, he's in the mix with all the three I mentioned earlier. Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, he has already been signed to that second contract with Indianapolis. I think he benefits from a Russian quarterback like Richardson, and he's still just 25 years old. I took Tua, quarterback. Desperation started there with Tua Goff and Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Look, I get it. You have to do it. But I don't necessarily know if, like, my my thought on Deshaun Watson now versus last year in Dynasty is just totally warped and changed. And I don't know where I'd be comfortable taking him anymore. Bryce Young goes off the board after that. I think that's pretty good value there. Um, just hoping for the bounce back. And then ETN as the as second pick in round four. I think that was uh, along the lines of Jonathan Taylor's maybe the best pure value pick in this draft. I would. I actually selected uh, Devon Achan for for somebody else right before that. And so, Jamie, when you look at those two running backs, Travis Etienne has obviously shown us he can handle the volume a lot better. Achan in his rookie season averaged seven point eight yards per carry, was like six carries short of the all-time yards per carry record, which actually is held by an old Dolphins running back, Mercury Morris. So, between Achan and Etienne, do you have a strong preference there in Dynasty? I mean, I probably lean Achan just because of the upside. You know, we we don't know what he can become if he is the full time guy, and and that's something I think we'd all like to see happen in uh, in 2024 um, with Raheem Mostert at 32 at that point. He's 31 now. You know, Jeff Wilson being just the guy, and so you know, you see some of the flashes uh, clearly of of what he did. You know, in that role uh, at the end of the season, the final two games of the regular season, he was the lead running back for the Dolphins. So um, I would lean slightly toward toward HN, so I don't think that's the wrong order, but you know, you can certainly flip-flop them all and, and, and ETN was awesome. I uh, Jacksonville just seems like it's a little bit lost right now in, in terms of where they're headed. And hopefully things can change with a better play call or better system in uh in twenty twenty four. So I think Adam Azer is now in the position where he's gone three rounds without a quarterback. He took DJ Moore in round four. He just took t- or took Tank Dell in round four after taking DJ Moore in round three. So now it's Justin Jefferson, Bijan Robinson, DJ Moore, and Tank Dell. I mean, is the is the strategy to have Daniel Jones as QB1, Dan? <laughs> I hope not. I hope that strategy doesn't apply to anyone in Dynasty or in real NFL football heading into the next season. But I don't know what Adam's going to do at this point at the quarterback position. I think when you do this build and you completely punt on quarterback and super flex Dynasty, I don't I, I can't tell you I know what the next step is, Heath, because I've never done it. What have you ever been down this route of just having no asset whatsoever at quarterback and super flex? And well, I think there's player. there's still a path for him. Like I said, I mentioned some of the veterans and I don't know where they're going to go. I still only have one quarterback and I was kind of thinking about that. And I figured a couple of them will come back to me next time. But we've got some guys who are going to start next year who we think are going to be pretty good next year. Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins is going to have a starting job. I don't know who it's going to be with, but he'll be a starter. And if it's with Minnesota, I'd expect he'll be pretty good. Um, Matthew Stafford is still out there. He's going to be a starter. Like It's possible that Azer gets a chance to draft two of those guys and is somewhat competitive this season. It's just not a great long-term strategy. The other thing is, I think it depends on what you're looking at for the rookie draft. And good, I was going to talk long enough to where Dan made that pick. We're not drafting rookies right now. If Adam was going through this draft thinking he was going to have the opportunity to get one of those guys in the rookie draft, that would be a little bit different as well. Yeah, that's fair. I made a pick that I think was a little bit above consensus there, or a little bit too early maybe according to consensus, Nico Collins. Um, What are your guys' thoughts on that this early for Nico? I mean, look, he looks fantastic, you know, and and can he – Continue to do this when Tank Dell's on the field. He showed he certainly can, you know, at times. Um, it's, uh, it, it, there's, you know, he, CJ Stroud just elevated everybody, you know, and, and I think he, as he continues to get better, that whole team's going to get better. So it's not a, it's not a bad pick at all at this point. Um, Let me ask that, you this. Would you put him or Tank Dell ahead in Dynasty and your ranking? In Dynasty, I would take Tank Dell. Okay. 
I, I would definitely take 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 Dale. I would definitely take the two rookie wide receivers who went right after Nico Collins there, okay. Rasheed Rice and Zay Flowers. And, and Rice is another guy. If, if if he does what he did last week against Buffalo and they win that game, and he's able to do it for two or three more games, I mean, he's probably a, like a round two pick next year in redraft. He might be a, a top twelve dynasty wide receiver before the playoffs are over. It's it's honestly he his off season is going to be fascinating because of if they see what he's doing and say, okay, we don't need to go get a wide receiver one. We don't need to go overspend for, let's say, whoever the guy is on the market, You know, whether it's a Mike Evans or a T. Higgins or Michael Pittman, one of these guys. And you certainly can add those, and he still can be great. But you know, his ascension may sort of change their opinion a little bit. Now they have to prepare for life after Travis Kelsey. And that doesn't necessarily mean tight end only. It could be, you know, just, you know, retooling the receiving core. But my goodness, it's a, uh, it's a nice problem to have if he's continuing to look like this and say, okay, we, we have our guy and he can, and he could, you know, just build off what he's been able to accomplish so far. Dan, you mentioned Sam Laporta as the clear tight end one. We just saw my tight end two go um, early here in round fr- five. It's Trey McBride. We haven't seen Mark Andrews. We haven't seen TJ Hawkinson. We haven't seen Travis Kelsey. Is, is that a mistake? Would you have any of those guys ahead of these two? I would personally, so I think I would have Mark Andrews ahead of McBride, but I know I'm against consensus on that one as well. I think with McBride for me, I'm confident. Hold on. Let me, I think I'm about to make this pick, but I'll, I'll just wrap this up quick. I'm confident in McBride's ability to be a fantasy contributor the way we expect him to be with Kyler Murray. I'm not as confident if Kyler Murray leaves that team. I believe in the talent. I don't really fully believe in his talent. Though. I don't think he's a game changing type of talent at tight end. I didn't love his tape at Colorado state first year. I thought that was a good kind of indicator of that. Now he made some spectacular catches this year with Kyler, but I felt like a lot of it was scheme production. If I'm going to be completely honest. And those are always the types of players that scare me in dynasty. So this is more of an eye test thing for me, but he's just not a player who I have prioritized for dynasty. Well, that's definitely one of those, um, like when you talk about the film in college, it's hard to imagine that one of the most prolific tight ends in terms of statistical production in college had bad film. But, but he did it. I didn't say he had bad film. I just said it wasn't an exciting film. It wasn't much of a post-catch ability, in my opinion. And I still haven't seen it at the NFL level, a lot of explosiveness right. post-catch. And I think dominating stats at Colorado State against that competition when the ball's coming to you 170 times a year, like we can look at it and say he earned those targets, or we can look at it and say he was six foot five going against a lot of small guy, t- uh, safeties and linebackers who can't match up with him. And he was, you know, making targets. I, I always comped him to like best case Jason Witten which to me is more of an NFL player than a, than a fantasy player. But, you know, to each his own, if you, if, uh, it's just my opinion of him as a, as a talent. Man, I, did I was not know. He got taken. I was going to take him here. Yeah, oh, yeah, hang yeah. On it too. I think I'm on the clock here, though. So I yeah, you've been on the clock. I've had to refresh it a couple of times. You went okay, on a four-minute okay, rant okay. hating Trey McBride. <laughs> I'm not hating Trey McBride. I'm defending myself for not Trey having him for, for the production comment as dominating Colorado State. Well, hey, just just know that based on how uh, Dan has commented the last couple of days, there's probably a trade coming in one of our dynasty leagues for Trey McBride. <laughs> I've got him in that league. So <laughs> Hold on. I need to make a pick here. I think Adam Azer actually has him. I tried to trade Travis Kelsey for him. I've fallen a little behind on reading the round results. So let's uh, let's go through round three here while I reset for Dan for the fourth time to make his no, pick. No, no. <laughs> and there we go, there we Dan. Go. You've got another minute because I know you need it. So in round three, we had A.J. Brown, Chris Olave, Sam Laporta, Jonathan Taylor, Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Waddell, D.J. Moore, Jared Goff, Tyree Kill, Deshaun Watson, Brandon Ayuk and Devon Achan. And Ayuk's a guy that I'm always too low on, according to consensus, Jamie. And he another high-end wide receiver two season this year, right in the prime of his career. Do you think he ever has like a top five or top 10 season? Or, or is this the best of Brandon Ayuk? I think that happens on a different team because I think he's going to be one of the casualties of, of having to pay, pay Brock Purdy eventually, unless they move on from, from Debo Samuel. But you know, most likely he's he's in San Francisco this year. We'll see what kind of contract extension he gets if he gets one at all. And they could just decide to play out his rookie deal and then franchise tag him. But uh, in San Francisco, if everything stays the same, and that's again, you know, assuming that he doesn't outlast, you know, George Kittle and, and Debo Samuel, um, I, I think this is as good as it gets, which is still pretty good. I mean, you know, he's he's had some fantastic seasons. His rookie year was amazing. This past season was amazing. Um, he showed a lot of upside throughout the course of his career. So um, 
it's not it's not bad. Right spot for him, I think. Um, and again, there there could be another level that he gets to if he is the alpha on a team. He's just not going to be the alpha right now in the current situation of what San Francisco has. Dan Adam is on the clock and also in the YouTube chat saying earlier that he was striving for somewhat competitive. Do you think there's a chance that he just didn't know this was a super flex league for a while? <laughs> it's it's the offseason now for A's or so I'm not I wouldn't be totally surprised. And you know what I gotta say something about that? He I feel like I've heard that line so often from Adam after like we're like five to six rounds into one of his drafts or his mocks. He's like, No, I'm 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 going for like a semi competitive build here. It's like what every time he goes for the semi competitive commit to one or the other, Adam, you either building for now or you're building for the future when you when you have this semi-competitive approach it lands you baker mayfield in round five like he just took in this draft um right now uh jamie was in our playoff challenge group chat saying that he loved baker mayfield last night jamie do you think he gets more than a one-year deal next year is he going to be locked up as somebody's starter for multiple years I would hope Tampa does the right thing and and does not give him a long-term deal because you want to see him prove it again, you know, especially after what he's been through the last couple of seasons. He had a great year. I mean, you know, just given all the expectations of how low it was and what he was able to achieve, but it feels like Tampa certainly played over their head in a bad division, you know, and so um, they, they will be a good defensive team. They certainly have a couple of young pieces in place, but Mike Evans is by, is at the end of his career. Um, Chris Godwin, you know, is is he still in his prime or is he getting to the end of his prime? You know, so I, I would, for me, if I'm if I'm Jason Light and, and the front office there, I would probably try to make it a one year, two year type of deal at most, uh, with being able to get out of the second deal, more of like a Geno Smith type of contract, and then see if you can move on if things do go south. But look, they're going to be in the mix to win that division again. I don't think Carolina, despite what Bryce Young may do, is going to all of a sudden make a leap. New Orleans in a similar boat. Atlanta could certainly, you know take advantage of that division by leaps and bounds. But um, I don't, I don't think it's the right move to commit to Baker long-term at his age and just coming off one good season. He needs to be great consistently for a few years for me to give him that type of deal. Dan, we see Kyron Williams and Saquon Barkley go back to back in round five here. I, I feel both like it's a huge value on Kyron Williams and also like he's exactly the kind of profile that terrifies me in dynasty. Those yes. late round running backs that just <laughs> greatly exceeded expectations. But right after him goes Saquon Barkley, another guy who is terrifying to me in dynasty. Are the giants going to keep Saquon Barkley around this year? I think this is finally the year they, they move on from Saquon Barkley, which ultimately could be a good thing, I guess for his fantasy value to an extent, but I don't think anyone should underestimate just how much the Giants use Saquon Barkley. I don't know if the next team will use him the same way, about 94% snap share type stuff. Like He'll come off the field for his next team. He's 27 years old, injury history, ACL, MCL. I'm with you, Heath. That's the type of asset that scares the hell out of me in Dynasty. On the flip side, Kyron Williams, not as much of an injury history, younger player, with a coach that's committed to him, you know, to a similar type of snap share as the Barkley types, but, you know, Barkley's going to be a potential free agent. I think there's a big gap there for me, a bigger gap than maybe for most. I, I thought Kyron was a real, was maybe the best pick. I said earlier, maybe it was Taylor, and then I said maybe it was ETN. I would say it's Kyron. I was surprised that Kyron continued to fail, but I guess it comes back to what you were saying before, that, you know, in the dynasty community, it's a little more... You, there's a little more reservations when it comes to what you just said, a late round back who makes the rise similar to like but, Pierce last year. Don't don't. I was going to say, do, doesn't he have James Robinson? Right. I feel, you know, uh, Damian Pierce type feel, you know, just in terms of what, what these guys have not profiled to be what they became in the NFL for one season. You know, I mean, they had Kyron in their building for two years, you know, right. and, and it took, Cam Akers, who we know that they were never really fond of, to falter once again. Now, granted, he was injured in his rookie season, so who knows how much that factors into it, that that foot was more of a problem than we know. Um, but it just feels like, can he do it again? Can he be that type of player again? And I, I hope so. Uh, believe me, I have him in, in, in a couple of dynasty leagues myself. Um, I, I hope so, but I'm, I'm certainly skeptical. It's fair. I don't know why Thomas hasn't yelled at me yet, but let's take a short break. And then when we <laughs> do, we'll get back and uh, read through the round four and round five picks. Okay, so I did start round four off uh, Bryce Young, then Travis Etienne, Devontae Smith, Devontae Adams. So a pair of Devontae's in completely opposite 
areas of their career. Jordan Addison, Tank Dell, JSN. It's a rookie wide receiver run. Then Tank Dell or Nico Collins interrupts that. More rookie wide receivers. Rasheed Rice, Zay Flowers. What's that? Five out of six picks that were rookie wide receivers there in round four. T. Higgins and Rashad White in the round. So, Dan, you, you took Nico Collins in the middle of all those rookies. Are, are there any of those rookies that you prefer over Nico Collins? And how would you kind of order the 2023 rookie wide receivers now? Oh, how would I order the 2023 rookie wide receivers now? Um, great question. I think I would prefer Nico at this point to I'm trying to think if I would prefer him to add. I think I would prefer him to Addison and Dell. Obviously, I, I, I said earlier I would have taken him over Dell. Um, JSN's the probably the one that's a little trickier for me because I had such a high eval of him coming out. And then Zay Flowers, I took Nico over, which that's one that I might be regretting. Uh, obviously, on my board, I didn't see him. And I wasn't really, and I was kind of locked in on Nico. The, the reason I like Nico so much, I'll just make the case, is because I think he's he's better for fantasy and better for staying on the field than maybe Tank Dell. And I think he's had more time to now develop that rapport with Stroud. And then Stroud's the big reason why I'm super interested in taking a wide receiver. That I like to pair in dynasty my receivers with quarterbacks who are locked in there, both through the rookie contract and a second contract. So I'm getting that. So I think situation-wise, I, I put him ahead of some of those guys. The only ones would probably be Zay and JSN ahead for me. Jamie, we've seen all the old quarterbacks here go of late. Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford. Um, I don't know who Jamie, who Azer just took Russell Wilson. Um, we've still not seen Will Levis taken yet. And I, I think he's going to get a full year, at least next year to start. He's uh, obviously got the aid. He could, if he proves to be a starting quarterback, could be a starter for the next 10 years. What did you see from him as a rookie? And do you have much hope for him in dynasty? Um, you saw flashes, you know, it, it's, it's so tough when you get quarterbacks in situations like this, where the team is so bad around him. I mean, he had, an aging DeAndre Hopkins, an aging Derrick Henry, a terrible offensive line, no real second receiver to help him. Uh, the tight end situation, I thought, took a step back in what Chego Conquo did from the end of his rookie year to second year. And so really in a system that didn't exactly allow him you know, a chance to flourish. You know, that Atlanta game was so eye-opening in what he can be. You know, throwing the ball down the field and all the plays that they were Wait, able to hold make. on. Can you push one back? I have the pick I want. I'm sorry. Come on. I didn't even ask you a question. Jamie's I know. talked I the have entire it. I have time it. you I were on him. the clock. I have him. I have him. I have him. Uh, but in, in any event, um, if if I was Adam, like with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. Like after Stafford, and you can make a case Rodgers too, like you got to take upside. Russell Wilson has no upside. I don't care where he ends up. He has no upside. You know, maybe for one more season, like that. You you gotta you gotta at least take the type of a player who can help you, and I don't think that's the the move that Adam made there. So was that uh, was that Jaden Reed for you, Dan? Jaden Reed is the one I wanted, and I got him. It, is he your favorite Packers wide receiver? And and how far? How would you separate Reed from Dobbs, from Watson, from Dontavian Wicks? Like, how are you prioritizing these guys? He's my favorite receiver. I would probably have it Reed, Watson, Dobbs, Wicks in my, my rankings. And I just think Reed's versatility and the way he wins on his routes makes me most confident that he can be in a league that rewards points, even half or or full PPR, the best contributor long term for me. That's really where I'm at with it. Like Watson, to me, I'm a little bit worried about his injury, like how he'll profile as an injury player moving forward with those hamstrings. And then as far as Dobbs and, and Wicks go, I feel like they're more complimentary players. Dobbs is an interesting, interesting prospect for sure. But Reed to me has more upside. That's why I landed on him. We're seeing a, a little more of a tight end run here at the end of the round with Pitts yeah, and no. Dalton Kincaid going back to back. I may regret not taking one before now. You look at where the tight ends went. Jamie, you've got Sam Laporta in round three, and then in round five, we had Trey McBride, TJ Hawkinson, and Mark Andrews, all three taken. Then here at the end of round six, it's Pitts and Dalton Kincaid. Is there one that stands out there as, as a great value? Yeah, I I wasn't expecting two tight ends to go after me. I was actually planning on taking Kincaid, so um, you'll give me have to forgive me a second while I take a, a look here at what I need. Um, but in any event, um, yeah, this is the the type of range we expect to see these guys go. They're all superstars, uh, at least have the potential to be superstars. So great value for I, I think them in terms of Pitts. Can he? thrive in a better system you know that's what i think we're all waiting to see is you know who's going to be the coach there and, and hopefully allow him to be the type of player that he's capable of being 
but it's been a, it's been a frustrating two seasons. You know, the, the rookie year was great. Uh, year two, year three, um, you know, very frustrating injuries. Certainly were part of that also. Uh, but I think, you know, if he gets to play the right spot, which is, you know, more of a, you know, Sam Laporta type tight end, um, you know, uh, I saw the PFF rankings gave him a little bit too much credit for his blocking. Like, don't block. I don't want to see Kyle Pitts blocking. I want to see him running routes. I want to see him running tight end routes, not wide receiver routes. So, um, yeah, this is a good spot to take a chance on. I just hope that, like, I know Dan right now is laser focused on not picking in the next 32 seconds so I can reset the clock for him. But I hope that he saw what happened there because I went to Jamie with a question before Jamie was on the clock. <laughs> and Jamie talked and picked and then it was your turn, Dan. It was there was no it was seamless. Nobody even knew that Jamie was on the clock there taking Terry McLaurin in round six. Jamie, I'm gonna go right back to you because Dan did just make a pick. Let's take a look at your team from the four spots. Your quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Jordan Love. At running back, you've got Jonathan Taylor and Isaiah Pacheco. And Pacheco could was someone who we worried about in that Kyron Williams range of low late round draft pick. Yep. I will tell you the difference, and I think the reason he stuck than the James Robinson, Damian Pierce guys that you mentioned is there was no coaching change. Uh, Both the other guys had to deal with new coaches coming in and replacing them. I think as long as Sean McVay sticks around, that might be good news for Kyron Williams. But then at wide wide receiver, you've got Rasheed Rice, DK Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. You've got to feel pretty good about how this has started. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, the last turn wasn't exactly what I was hoping for because uh, Dan – I, I was considering Jaden Reed. I, I was I was kind of looking at a couple of running backs, um, Pacheco being the the number one guy. Uh, but I was going to see if Jaden Reed made it there just to get a third receiver, another young guy with with what I think is huge upside. I do think he's the best Packers receiver. And then, like I said, I was considering uh, uh, Kincaid. You know, when I looked at okay, Laporta's behind me, McBride's behind me. Did not anticipate Corey taking two tight ends. So so smart move by him if he loves the upside of Kyle Pitts because you could play him as a flex. Uh, but in any event. Um, to end up with Pacheco. And I like receivers whenever we do the, these type of startup leagues. Um, most of them are, are mocks at this point for me, but uh, I do like taking receivers like Metcalf and McBride um, guys that have shown the ability to be superstars. I think people sort of overlook them a little bit. Metcalf. I, I think Heath, you can answer this at one point was a top three dynasty receiver for you. Yep. Um, you know, before some of his struggles and some of these other guys that have pushed him down the list. Uh, so still has that potential. And for me, he's, he's a second guy. Second receiver, because I think Rice will be end up be the, the number one guy on my roster. And then McBride, look, you're talking about maybe Caleb Williams, maybe Drake May. Uh, certainly the, the the potential of being the best quarterback that he's ever played with, with the idea of a better play caller there, an offensive-minded play caller. So, you know, for, for redraft, he's going to be very exciting. For Dynasty, I think he still has a couple more years to be a, a potential star. And so love the setup for what's coming for the guys in Washington. So, you know, there's a couple of receivers that are still on the board. I don't want to mention their names, uh, mm-hmm. but they could, they could also benefit in a big way by a quarterback and coaching change, which is coming for sure. I just took Geno Smith one pick after Adam took Derek Carr. I don't know if there's another guy left who I think is going to be starting football games last year. That's why I took Geno. Hopefully Geno is starting next year. I expect that he will be. Um, but we have really reached the point to where now the quarterbacks are going to be taking are just hopes. Maybe okay. a Kenny Pickett, maybe a Sam Howell, probably not Sam Howell. Maybe a Hendon Hooker gets selected. We're pretty much out of starting quarterbacks in the middle of round seven, Dan. Yeah, that's how it goes in Superflex. You see guys like you just said, like J- normally you wouldn't take Geno Smith over Calvin Ridley, but you have to based on the fact that there just aren't that many to go around. And I think the interesting thing here is there are few quarterbacks who are still signed under contract, but you don't necessarily know if they're going to be starting next year. Um, Daniel Jones, obviously being one of them who could be a starter. Uh, Mm, Yeah. He'll start next year. He might, they might have to, if they can't think of anything better solution there. Um, And then obviously like you have, um, you have Sam Howell that who was mentioned earlier is just an interesting prospect in the sense that you, we all expect Washington to use that pick on a quarterback, especially with a new coach and GM coming in, but it's possible. They like what they saw in Howell. It's, it's unlikely, but it's possible. And finally, Travis Kelsey comes off the board. I was waiting to see when he was going to come off the board here. This is late. Well, it is late, except for the fact, you know, there were those whispers that Jason and Travis were going to retire at the end of this year. And we just saw yesterday that Jason retired. And it's not like Travis showed something in the playoff in his first playoff game that made you think, oh, no, he's back. He's fine. Don't worry about him. What do you have? Three drops in that game? 
wasn't pretty. So yeah, yeah, he had some struggles. I mean, how much of that though was was weather related? But you know, after the year that he just had, you know, first year under a thousand yards and you know lowest fantasy points per game, if you want to judge that in terms of PPR since 2016, um, he did say he's not planning to retire. But I don't know how much that is. I just don't want to tip my hand before I play a game. You know, as as Jason Kelsey probably did the same. So right. you know, is 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 that something you factor in? I would be surprised if he if he did retire. I think he's going to come back for another year. Yeah, and I, I would say at this point, I would be surprised if he leads the Chiefs in receiving next year. It does seem like not just this last week, but over the course of the second half of the season, Rasheed Rice has become the best pass-catching option for Patrick Mahomes. And if they don't add a number one, I think they're going to add someone. So Kelsey, definitely someone. It's hard to rank him for dynasty purposes. I believe the last time I updated mine, I had him at tight end tight end nine he was not the best tight end available on the board when he was taken with that most recent pick for me but i think i'm probably a little lower on him than most dan let's take a look at your team here you started off with joe burrow you also got two at quarterback your running backs are spectacular Brees hall and ken walker no wide receivers until round four of a dynasty startup which i know is is rare for you sure. you end up with nico collins Jaden reed and christian watson as your top three wide receivers your quarterbacks and running backs are good what about the receivers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fair. And this is not typically the build I like to have. And I, I was close on a few picks. Like I was, especially I've, I've punted tight end, which I don't always do in dynasty. I like getting young talent there. Like I was close with Kincaid versus Reed. I just felt like when both those spots with Brees Hall and Walker, they were the best players overall on my board value wise, like by a considerable margin. Um, and the next best player in both spots, like for when I was debating Ken Walker, it was Ken Walker, or Kyron Williams. And then it was just like, I'm, I'm running back or running back. Same thing. I think during the priest hall pick, I, there was another player I was considering. So I think it was Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I don't love to have these kinds of builds, but when I do make these kinds of builds, I tend to try to win for this year. So I was happy to get Tua in there as a QB two, who I think can help me, help me win now, but I am back on the clock. So I need to focus. Jamie, we've gotten to the point to where the like finding store. Most people are getting close to filling their starting lineup out, um, and you're definitely getting close to the point to where it doesn't feel like there are a lot of starting fantasy options being drafted. Is, is your is your process here dictated by what your team looks like so far? If you've got a competitor, then you're you're drafting those old starters that may only have one year left, and if not, you're just throwing darts at youngsters. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, you got to kind of figure out what your what your team is. You know, do you have an opportunity to win now? Do you have an opportunity to win now and still be competitive down the road? Or are you just looking completely down the road? You know, for me, I feel like I'm somewhat in the middle. Like I can win now, but I have some, you know, pieces that will certainly be relevant for the next couple of seasons. So I'm not necessarily opposed to, you know, taking veteran players here that still have plenty of upside. Uh, so I'm going to do that right now. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to do that right now because I don't have to. Hmm. Um, I'm going to. I might need a reset. So sorry. Um, I... Uh, I know who I'm going to take next round, uh, for example. Uh, All right, I, I'm looking forward to seeing who you who you take next round. Let's uh, get. A, I'll get a quick. Well, run I'll, through I'll here. say it because everybody's got tight ends after me. So if I'm going to lose another tight end, I'm not going to. I'm not going to risk the taking another player that I want to take here when I see there's four tight ends behind me. So right, um, you know, it does, doesn't make sense. So that kind of threw me off for a second. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, so I'll probably shoot for a little bit more upside here if I can't. If I don't find anybody that has the chance to. So I'll take a flyer here on someone that I think a lot of people still have some optimism for. Hopefully can Quentin Johnson. Um, yeah. You know, so another young receiver that has the chance to be the number one guy on his team, at least certainly in the mix based on how Keenan Allen's situation may unfold. All he has to do is learn how to run and catch at the same time. And yeah, I think that I uh, like other than that, he has all the other physical tools. Dan, are there any of those, uh, any of the rookies that you were excited about other than Quentin Johnston? Um, who and who really didn't do much this year, but you're targeting them in the mid to later rounds of startups this year. Like you think year two is going to be the year. I think, uh, I mean, this is all contingent on a lot of things happening around them, but I think Jalen Hyatt's one that comes to mind for me. I just like what I saw on tape from him, his ability to separate on the vertical plane and then his ability to track. That's He reminded me when I watch him in tape of like a, wor a much worse, I want to make that clear version of what Deshaun Jackson made work at the NFL on the collegiate level at Cal. And I think that works across the board at the NFL. You just have to have an explosive thrower 
uh, to get him the football down there. And so we'll see if the Giants can find him that this offseason. But he's someone who comes to mind for sure. And then, you know, this is maybe a little bit further down the board. And there's somebody on my mind that hasn't been drafted yet. So I'd prefer to keep that in just until Jamie makes his pick. I don't know if Jamie's thinking in this direction, but if he, Jamie doesn't make this pick, it'll probably be my next pick. Heath. Uh, okay, Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question about round five. Then L- listen to these, <laughs> listen to these round five names and uh, and. Tell oh, never me. mind. He was just picked earlier by Corey. It was Josh Downs. Dan. It was Josh Downs. Okay, so Back in round five, down. we had we had Michael Pittman, his, his teammate. Looks like went early in round five, the first pick. Then Trey McBride, the pick that Dan hated more than any other in this draft. No, not true. Then Drake London, then DK Metcalf, Ken Walker, a couple Seahawks (laughs) going back, back to back to Jamie and Dan. We've got TJ Hawkinson, Baker Mayfield. That was Adam Azer's first quarterback, the first of three that he took in a row. Then Kyron Williams, then Saquon Barkley, then Mark Andrews. Then we had... A couple older quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers, finish that out. So we see kind of the elite tier of tight ends, McBride, Hawkinson, Andrews, the old tier of quarterbacks with Cousins and Rodgers. Uh, what are your takes on round five here? Um, that just made my pick, so I'm just getting that in. George Kittle, I, I'm still okay with that, even in this range. I think it, if it was a little earlier, I'd be more more uh, scared of that one. So what? So what was the question again? The round five? What, say it again, Heath. No, it's that's okay. We'll just. I, I was just saying, like it's kind of a strange picture with those with those elite tight ends, oh. the older quarterbacks, and Baker Mayfield. And then I think your favorite pick of the round was Kyron Williams, right? It was of that round. I, I, I'm curious why Kyron fell so much. I guess more of it has to do with just that scared factor. But I think he's definitely a different level than Pierce, even though they were drafted in the same range and some of the other backs that have failed before him in that mold. So, yeah, I definitely like that one. We'll take a short break. I'll try to run through, uh, you know, we'll get through three or four more rounds here and then we'll finish things up. Of course, all of this will be on the side, a full breakdown of everybody's team and a round by round breakdown of the draft. Okay, so we're back at Jamie. I will uh, read off round six to you. You can tell me what you uh, your initial thoughts here, maybe a worst pick or a best pick. George Pickens, Stefan Diggs, James Cook, Matthew Stafford. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. I can't, man. I My eyes. I, I went. You know, the bad Walker, thing is. I, Isaiah Spears, Jaden Reed, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Will Levis, Kyle Pitts, and Dalton Kincaid. Um, we had a fun conversation in our last redraft, our first redraft uh, mock draft of Tajay Spears and what he can become. Dan's very excited. I'm very excited. I'm curious your thoughts, Heath, on, on what you think Tajay Spears can be. Um, assuming that there is no – they've mentioned Derrick Henry coming back. Rand Carthon, the GM, talked about that. Um, and, and we could see you know anybody from, let's say, like a, a Joe Mixon, a um, – Saquon Barkley, you know, anybody that, that might be available brought in there, you know, if they're chasing money and they decide to pay them, we saw them do that with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but if my gosh, if he is the lead guy, I'm curious, Heath, like how high you would have him ranked in this format in, in, in dynasty. Cause you know, second year player, uh, obviously has some concerns, I think with his knees still, but, um, man, he showed a lot of great flashes and, and, and certainly with a better system around him, uh, can be a pass catching back, you know, maybe can, you know, be a, a physical enough presence that they'll be comfortable with him in, in short yards, goal line situations. But I, he certainly passed the eye test for me. I know for Dan as well. So uh, what, what does he, where does he stack up for you? Yeah. I mean, it, I think when you think about it, the gap between him and Devon Achan probably is not completely fair. Cause I do think he has that type of upside and we have the same types of questions. Can I, will, will any team think that either of those guys is a true lead back and regularly give them more than 15 touches? And then can they stay healthy if a team does that? But I love, I, we had a bunch of the guy, that guy, guys in that class. Spears is probably the second of them. Keaton Mitchell, who did get hurt this year, probably third. And then Jaleel McLaughlin right there with him. Just extreme efficiency guys, guys that can score you fantasy points in bunches, but also huge, huge questions. Um, I, I think the comment I had to some the other day was it could be Alvin Kamara. I don't remember which one I was talking about. Probably HN. It could be Alvin Kamara and it could be CJ Spiller. Like w- you get that type of profile, Dan, and we've seen big hits and we've seen big time misses. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that's the risk you take with that type of profile. But I think once we get to this stage of the draft, it's obviously a, a, a point where we can make those types of risks with, with less to lose. Um, I was just building up my board and I just found somebody interesting that I'm, once he goes off the board, I don't think he's going to make it back to me. I'm going to be curious to get your takes on that. Um, 
because you asked about, I think right now some of the focus can be on, and I don't want to give tip away too much of what I'm trying to do the rest of this draft, but some of the value you can find in the third year receivers, like, cause we're focused a lot on who's going to be out of that group. You asked me earlier, we talked about Josh Downs. There's still some third year receivers. Who bad, yeah. Who had bad second year twos, <laughs> but maybe have a better quarterback situation developing that could, uh, could spark some interest here, but we'll see if we'll see if I get that player. To, to Dan, if you want to, if you want to read through round seven, yeah. I'm trying you to trade it for him when you had the chance. <laughs> I know what you're d- talking about, Jamie, and you you are correct about that. But um, round seven, we had Keenan Allen come off the board, the first pick around seven. That's more of a win now pick. Cooper Cup right after it. Josh Jacobs. That's three in a row. I like Jamie's pick a lot of Terry McLaurin. Um, one of the reasons I like that is one still one of the best route runners in the NFL. You look at the stats, you look at some of the stuff and the work that Matt Harmon does. He's still charting really high McLaurin, but quarterback situation wasn't great for him this year. What happens next year? I mean, the Washington commanders have the second overall pick. They might, to me, they're the most likely team to move up for one and get Caleb Williams in there. So that changed a lot. Christian Watson comes off the board after Christian Kirk. I like the pick after that. He's tied to Trevor Lawrence. If we assume Lawrence will step forward and then some desperation picks at quarterback, Derek Carr and Geno Smith. That was a three in a row from Adam there. Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. That's a, it's a rough way to go about. I think in the super flex league, we'll see. Calvin Ridley comes off the board after that, and the draft board just went away for a second. He's, oh, yeah, Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey finally comes off the board at the end of round seven. And then I I, I really like the pick of Zach Charbonnet there to, to, to round out round seven. Obviously, it's Ken Walker ahead of him, but I saw enough on tape, not only at UCLA, but in his first year to get me excited about just having him as an asset. Yeah, Jamie, you had mentioned Tyje Spears and this idea that I mean, the difference, obviously, between Charbonnet and Spears is that Ken Walker is still going to be in Seattle next year. But in a vacuum, I think I prefer Charbonnet's skill set and uh, body um, more in terms of an NFL running back. So how, how would you weigh those two things when valuing those two guys in Dynasty? Drafting today, I think you you lean toward what Spears' role could be as opposed to what Charbonnet's role could be. Now, granted, we have a whole new thing coming in Seattle that we have not seen in years, and that's Pete Carroll gone. And so will the new coach slash coordinator decide to, you know, go away from really just leaning on one guy and maybe incorporate more two backs? And I don't just mean like, you know, using Charbonnet in some hurry-up situations, like actually rotating series and, and, and maybe making a little bit more of a timeshare. Uh, because we didn't see that a lot when when Walker was healthy. It really was Charbonnet's role when Walker wasn't there. But when, when Walker was there, it was, okay, pass-catching situations and really not throwing to him as much, but uh, pass-catching situations we saw. But if we get to a situation where both guys are sharing, I'd rather have the upside of Charbonnet because I think he's as a talent, is a better talent. All right, Dan, you did a great job reading through round seven. So I'm going to ask you to go through round eight in the same type of way. I'm going to make one more pick. We'll each kind of go through our teams, and the other two guys can grade – each person's team through the first eight or nine picks of the draft. Yeah, so we'll start off round five, uh, round eight, I'm sorry, with Javante Williams. Dynasty stocks really changed in the last year, I would say. Um, he went from two years ago, drafting him in the first round, in some people's ranks, the top 10, had the injury, didn't come back the same way, and now his dynasty value is at an all-time low. I feel like Stevenson, or Mondre was taken after him as another good value pick there. I mean, his dynasty value has cratered in a lot of ways, but he's still he still has the talent in him that we saw force a lot of missed tackles in 2022. If he can get back to that level, Mari Cooper comes off the board. Hold on. Let me just make this one pick. Is my guy still there? No one pick ahead of me, John Dotson. That's why I want a John Dotson. I, I think Jahan, I'll talk about Jahan Dotson while you find somebody to pick. I obviously, Jamie, yeah. we were both very excited about Jahan Dotson coming into this season. Now you mentioned it with McClure, and it's probably going to be a new rookie quarterback. It's going to be a new offensive system. Curtis Samuel is a free agent, so he's probably going to be gone. Is this a, a the guy that we put, just go ahead right now in, in July when you write post-hype sleepers, this is the guy that's going to be, or third-year wide receivers, it's going to be in the... Uh, Sitting in the cover? He'll be there. You know, I mean, I, I still want to see what they do. Um, I thought this was the guy Dan was going to take. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, how, how it all unfolds uh, for, for Dotson. You know, is it, is it a talent thing? Is, is it a system thing? Um, I think he'll be one of the better value picks here and, and in this type of format and, and definitely in redraft, you know, a guy that you'll take late. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, look, he was, he was so talented in his rookie campaign. I, I hope it's almost like a Brandon Ayuk situation where he just got in the coach's doghouse and, and couldn't work his way out. And then you saw, 
at least in the case of, of IU, you know, same coach, but he did all the right things that he had to do to get out of that. Um, right. But, you know, in the case of new coach coming in, look, I, it, if it is Ben Johnson uh, and, and that's the route that they go, man, there's a lot to like about him in that system. Yeah, I, th- I think that the Ben Johnson thing, like we've got all these coaches that were, or a few of them at least, that were pretty excited about what they would mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, for the offensive players. But Dan, there's a, almost an equal number that are going to get hired that are not going to be very good for the weapons on their new team, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Not every coach that comes in is going to be able to install a system that works for its players. Ben Johnson's one we have we we have high expectations for, but I think there could be misses as well. There's also always going to be some hits that you don't expect. I don't think people, many people, at Bobby Slowick, uh, you know, as being the, right. making the impact he made year one with CJ Stroud. Um, so we're going to see some. I think you know what the focus for me is going to be on who comes from that Shanahan McVay tree because that tree is just really hitting right now, and I think a lot of it has to do with how that scheme is set up versus the defenses. A lot of defenses these days are running pattern match coverages, zone coverages in the back end, and I think that that system and the tr- and all the coaches that come for that tree in my opinion, has the best route combinations to beat those types of coverages. I think we've seen that with CJ Stroud and some of these players, but we'll see what happens there. I am 12 seconds left. I did not do a good job here. Uh, I have guys on my queue, though. Give me one quick second. Yeah, there, there you go. Jamie, while Dan is uh, taking another Brown. I four to minutes to pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chase, no, the Chase Brown pick hurt a little bit. It hurt. I was out to take Chase Brown, but you would have taken him, I guess, before me. So it doesn't Yeah, matter. he was queued up. All right. I, I was, I was, I had Daniel Jones in my queue. So that tells you where we're at in terms of quarterback at this point in the draft. Oh, Jamie, why don't you uh, run through your team one more time? What you've got through, what is it, 11 picks? And then Dan can do the same with his. Uh, so I have three quarterbacks Lamar Jackson, Jordan Love, my first two picks. Uh, as you mentioned, I just took Daniel Jones with a very high, uh, heavy Giants uh, run for me with my last three picks of former tight end Evan Ingram, Wandell Robinson, and Daniel mm-hmm. Jones. Uh, right, right behind Dan, must be rubbing off of me. Uh, but anyway, my, my quarterbacks are Jackson Love and Daniel Jones. My running backs, uh, only two right now, Jonathan Taylor and Isaiah Pacheco. My receiving core is uh, Rashi Rice, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Quentin Johnston, and Wandell Robinson. And again, Evan Ingram is my tight end. What do you think Ingram has? What one more year left of starter production, or maybe just as as long as Doug Peterson stays in Jacksonville? I'll tell you what. Uh, what he was able to do when Christian Kirk went down was so encouraging. Knowing that they may move on from Calvin Ridley, because uh, if they if they sign him, it's a very big compensation in return that they have to give a second round pick, which I don't think they want to do based on what Ridley did. So the, they might work around that. Um, by tagging him and we'll see how that all unfolds. But um, when there was somebody missing, we saw it two years ago. He was great. We saw it this past season at the end of the year. It wasn't the same thing at the beginning of the season when everybody was healthy, but I think he still profiles 29 years old uh, has top 10 upside. You know, once we got past the tight ends, like I'm looking at the guys who went after him uh, and I debated Kittle, you know, Kittle's only a year older, right. um, but I think there's a little bit higher ceiling for Ingram. If in fact there is somebody gone, uh, I like him better than Jake Ferguson. I like him better than Michael Mayer and Dallas Goddard. So for me, that was the right time to go get him. Like I said, I regret not getting Dalton Kincaid. You know, so I took Pacheco uh, and then Pitts and Kincaid went, went after him. So had, if I got the chance to do that over again, I probably would have taken uh, Kincaid there and then figured out my second running back uh, after that. Have we seen Dallas Goddard go? Yes, he is uh, for, for the blind Heath Cummings. Uh, yeah. He went to uh, Josh Walker uh, in round 10. You know what the amazing thing was? I went to the eye doctor yesterday to get my eye exam. First one in 25 years because I've just never had eye, any eye concerns. Perfect vision. No <laughs> no concerns whatsoever. You're wrong. Uh, Dan, why don't you run through your team for us? Wow, that was just a bad, like, bad evaluation by the eye doctor. I mean, <laughs> I could, to be fair, I, I it's like you, it was like you watching Trey McBride tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Go watch Colorado State versus the, the School of Texas Mines, the Colorado School of Mines. Tell me, watch him dominate 210 pound linebacker. But back to my team, Joe Burrow. Two attacks. So I'm going with the pocket passers heavy early, winning now in that sense, well, at least with Tua. Um, Brees Hall and Ken Walker to headline my running backs. Wide receiver is going to be a bit of an uphill sled for me. I got Nico Collins, who I like, tied to CJ Stroud, Jaden Reed, and Christian Watson there. Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy. So some post, post, post hype there. And then a win now pick with George Kittle. I just didn't really, I don't, 
I don't necessarily believe as much much I would say long term, I guess, in Mayer or Ferguson. I, I'd rather take the early hit here with Kittle. And then Jerome Ford, just to add a third running back there. Like his talent, don't love his situation with Chubb ahead of him, but I also think that that situation could be coming to an end maybe sooner in Cleveland. In, in, in general, I'll bet on Ford's speed, winning at the NFL level, and his age, the combination of his speed and age as an asset. So we- I'm happy with that pick. We talked about it last week with Dave. Like it, Nick Chubb, well, I know he's been. It's kind of a Mike Evans with Tampa situation. Like he's he's a Cleveland guy, and they would like to keep him there forever. Yeah, with his contract situation. He's either taking a pay cut or he's not going to play right. for the Browns next year. Like his contract is not set up for him to play on his current contract. So we'll see how the how he recovers from this injury. We'll see. It's not the first time he's done this. He knows how to rehab from an injury. Tell you what, we've gone over an hour for the first time in a long time. Jamie, Dan, thank you guys for being here. Everybody who watched on the chat, thanks for for participating and ripping our picks, particularly Adams. (laughs) We always enjoy that. Remember (laughs) that you can go to cbssports.com tomorrow, find the results of this draft. Remember to go look for the new 2024 Dynasty landing page, which did just launch last week. You'll find this draft. You'll find this podcast. You'll find all of our rankings and everything else we do Dynasty related linked there on that Dynasty landing page. Bookmark it. Check back often. And we will talk to you next Tuesday.